0: Welcome, reanimated fans, coming to you from Martha's Vineyard today, um, and instead of Brooklyn, but coming to you from the West Coast is my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart.
1: Uh, ahoy there, A.J. Nice to see you.
0: Oh, yeah, and I'm A.J. E. Conrad, I guess I should mention that, for those that don't know. Um, but, you know, a dearth of news today, for some reason, though I suspect will start to, to ramp up because Halloween season is coming upon us, but... um So really nothing to talk about today on the news front. However, very excited to talk about the next two uh, episodes of Tales of the Walking Dead, Um, D and uh, Amy slash Dr. Everett. Um, So D is um, the sort of the long awaited episode about Alpha. Um, And I have a couple of questions and maybe I'm not remembering certain things correctly. But um, anyway, I, like I have I have some thoughts on both episodes. Um, but excited to talk about them with you. So
1: yeah, what was... is your initial thoughts? <laughs> they they were interesting. Um, I th- I think we hit our first uh our first flop of Tales of the Walking Dead and okay. you and I are in
0: agreement. You and I are in agreement. Okay,
1: yeah. it, not both of them. Um, but yeah, the second one we're going to talk about I think yep. was was yep. the weakest link so far
0: agree and and I have a few opinions about that um but um but let's, let's
1: yeah let's let's, let's let's
0: talk about let's talk about a uh, d and so Alpha. We, were,
1: we were all concerned about like going back into this narrative and like will, will would they be able to have the same sort of creative approach as they'd had for the other two episodes we talked about how how do you feel like those fears were borne out um overall um,
0: i mean i thought that this was a great episode uh, samantha morton is a phenomenal actor and i like she really just got right back into this particular role with like, like sometimes you worry that when people have been away from it for a bit um or when it's like this kind of thing with just an offshoot it'll turn into something entirely but i felt like she's true to alpha in this and it, what, it did add to something of the background, though, I have to admit, I thought we had kind of covered this backstory. And is this a conflict in what the things that we had learned before? How so? Um, because didn't she meet Beta in the mental institution? Like, am I? Yeah, she you? met. Well, she met him in
1: a in a building. We, we don't really oh, know right, 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 where right, that right. was. Um, uh, and she had already been. We we the, the two scenes we got in her flashback episode, as I recall, were in the bunker, which they talked about a lot, in that basement where yep, um, and we saw that, his dad was nauseam. killed. Yep. And that was brought up a few times, but also the uh, um, meeting Beta in that building and then coming up I think that's where they did Guts and made masks. I'm not sure if they actually made masks in that episode. Um, But yeah, so what I would what I am confused by is a little bit what happens at the very end of this episode. There's also just like yeah, there are several story hooks in this episode that they don't follow through with, which kind of make it seem like they're going to do more of this backstory.
0: Maybe, maybe. And I thought the same thing, too. I thought there was a couple of things in here that, you know, um, I didn't. You, I was like, oh, they're probably or they're at least leaving themselves the option to come back to it. At least that was my s- sort of take on it.
1: I thought this was a fascinating uh, ca- encapsulated story. Um, of zombie survival on a riverboat in a, in the bayou, it felt feels like mm-hmm. um, I've always want to see like, you know, communities in every scenario possible. And so this is just like checking that box for me. Um, and then the way that they did the human interactions on this, I thought were fascinating. I think Brooke mm-hmm. makes a fascinating character.
0: She is a fascinating character. And, you know, I think they do this like kind of uh fake out in the beginning where you're like, okay, what part of the apocalypse is this? And you know, you could see this being in it they did a very clever way of sort of presenting this. Um
1: yeah, I was I was fooled. I was like, this is clearly pre-pre apocalypse.
0: Right. And then they kind of put you off kilter deliberately, which I thought was kind of fun. Um and instead she's the leader of this riverboat community and it's you know it's a little misleading because you think that she's like kind of um or at least I think that's the intention focused on specific things that shouldn't necessarily seem to matter, but there's a the thing about civility and dress and you know like and and that's sort of the things that they focus on like she she says something about going shopping or yeah, you know, and then they're all getting dressed up for this evening on the riverboat. And but there is also like a comment about hard work. It's like, you know, so th- there's things that balance it out. And her philosophy is that, yes, we all need to get together. We need to work hard, but we also can't lose the things that make life good, Um, meaning like parties and, and dressing up. And I guess the the more like I don't want to say ceremonial, but like specific things that wouldn't necessarily seem to matter if you're just trying to survive but i guess her point is what's the point of doing any of this if you're not having some of these the finer things in life basically some of the pageantry i suppose um
1: yeah i I saw this as a as a red flag yeah
0: of course we know that this isn't gonna work out right and
1: is that just the trope like i've just been trained to see any sort of like excess or treating the world uh the old world as as still even remotely around. I mean, they do she pays lip service to that like she's like the guards are on duty and we've been trolling this area for for days or something. So Brooke seems to think that it's a safe course of action to have a, a party. And I guess it is in a way. Uh the 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 fatal flaw that she's committed happened, you know, days ago, as it turns out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, as soon as you see people getting into their their tuxedos and their finery uh you know that it's a problem and of course alpha we know as always when we meet her much later in her i don't know how much later in her story she hates civilization and uh is obsessed with it being all lies and uh living like a false you know truth and she's kind of there in this too and i thought it was interesting like where she was in her relationship with brooke and her relationship with this community during this episode where she's been there for a year it turns out mm-hmm. uh yeah so, so you know like she's she uh brooke accosts her after the party and it's like you're too worried and it's affecting lydia and brooke makes a lot of mistakes here too where she continuously asserts herself over d alpha um in terms well, of she's alpha for a reason right Yeah,
0: she's alpha for a reason. And even though she on some level, I think, recognizes that she's sick and she knows that Lydia saw what happened uh, when she killed Lydia's dad. um, And she knows that Lydia basically got a kind of window into the more negative aspects of her personality and her antisocial personality. uh, She can't let Lydia go. This is her her raison d'etre. So. And she thinks she's right. And so, you know, anybody trying to pull dominance over Alpha is eventually going to get a knife in the ribs or across the face as it may be. Um, So that's, you know, I guess part of me, but but the part of me, part of this that just, it was a hard time sitting well, it's not like um, Alpha um, really hides this, right? Like, she's quiet, but she it's like which one of these is not like the other one right yeah. uh, all all on
1: So and yeah, that's that some of that's like internal and some of that's external. like Billy, the bartender in one of the early uh pieces of dialogue that some uh, D has with someone other than Brooke is just well, D, Billy is his own situation, obviously, <laughs> but it's just like you know, you kind of look terrible. um why don't you dress up a little better? And this is really just kind of telegraphing his situation. Mm -hmm. that that comes into focus later uh but he's calling her out for being the ugly duckling right it's kind of it's kind of insane
0: right and it's like this weird thing because he obviously says he admires certain things about d and about what they have here and that is something that i mean obviously it plays into what we see later uh but there's a coveting here that he does um and things like And I think if there's a weakness in the episode, it's that because somebody like Brooke isn't going to get to where she's gotten um, without having some better judgment of character. Um, And if it's so easy to sort of find chinks in the armor, this wouldn't have lasted even as long as it did. Right. Um, And I just find it hard to believe that D would have like lasted this long in this environment without. Because she just has no tolerance for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's that she's she's gaining safety for herself and her specifically her daughter, I just don't think she would be able to fake it this long. And, you know, when it does fall apart, it falls apart really, really crazy, fast but and yeah. fast. So that was the one part that I was just having a hard time sort of like putting my putting my skepticism aside. It just felt like and same thing with Billy, like it's not exactly like he's not he's he's easy to read and he makes these comments i just don't like i feel like the the sort of dissension that he has with maybe it's that that he's just showing it to d yeah but it just feels a little bit far-fetched that Burke wouldn't catch on to some of this i don't
1: know yeah maybe um i think i i tried to put myself i already tried to imagine d as part of a regular, in quotes, survivor survivor group, where she is a capable survivor, right? Like she even shows that when she's just off by herself later with Lydia. She is tactical and she has the ability to survive. And so those are skills that would be useful in any kind of group. And Brooke is, despite all of the icing and frilly nonsense, she is running a survivor group. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, even though she alpha is their janitor, like, you know, she clearly has like a, a a position in their community that it is not one necessarily of uh, the commands respect. And, but you're right. I don't, I don't know that she would have lasted an entire year other than the fact that Lydia is so happy there and seems to be really in love with Brooke, um, who, and there are some scenes during this episode where uh, where Dee and Brooke are like having a face to face in a hallway, and mm. Samantha Morton. I don't know how to, how I forget how tall she is, but she's in the five foot range, and I guess the woman who plays Brooke must be like six something because there's yeah. like at least at least a foot or six inches of the, of a uh, height difference between the two of them, and it creates kind of an interesting um, dynamic to their. To their threatening conversations. But you know what? When Alpha D is is threatening Brooke with the knife, um it, I believe it. Yep. yep. <laughs> definitely. Um I, I I thought the uh the aerobic stuff was really fun. Um even though it's like you're kind of like okay this is this is ridiculous. Uh it's on some level it is it, it is trying to like she's she's working on uh, healthy body healthy uh healthy minds I think I think it makes sense, right?
0: Well, no, I mean, I kind of thought she was like, okay, well, we're on a boat. You got to stay in shape and you got to be at peak, you know, to help fend off any kind of, uh, threats. Although, I mean, I guess these are the things that don't sit totally well with me. I just don't like a riverboat like this to me is a huge target, yeah. um, wherever it's going to go. It's huge. It's, and she's doing stupid things like having the whole thing lighted up, um, At night in an air, like there's just so many things like that that don't make sense to me. But, um, you know, I I felt like this was supposed to be sort of like, okay, this is the way Brooke's doing it. So even though it's it seems like a little bit ridiculous, it does have a purpose in terms of like keeping this group safe. um, Despite the fact that it seems semi frivolous. Right. A little Jane Fonda Um, E. But. You know, I guess I guess my like and then the other piece of the holes in this whole like scenario is that with Billy, the bartender, um, his whole idea that, you know, I'm going to bring this group of people onto this boat and, you know, we'll just kill six people and we'll have the plate like you're if you're admiring what what Brooke is doing that's just not possible to maintain if oh, he's dead. insane. Yeah, Like he's totally crazy. And this doesn't make sense at all. Uh, also like him just jumping into the bayou. I don't think he would have lived very long with the gators and everything else out there apparently. Um, but you know, again, this is just sort of like a, a little story to show who Dee is, who we also know and to see, show her in a different scenario. Um, and I think that probably the most powerful scenes are actually when she's out in the woods after the whole coup happens. Yeah, because at first
1: her- uh, that's really a lot of to do with Lydia and her her frame of mind too, yeah. right? I mean, it's not just yeah, D, D's there absolutely too, but D is fairly constant. Yeah. Other than like the massive amounts of restraint she is showing early on in the episode, like you've pointed out, but Lydia is like being feted as the only child on this barge too, um, given a dress, uh, you know brooke is
0: talking about a party
1: a, pouring attention on her and talking about a garden party and fairies and stuff and alpha is d is really trying to she's kind of like letting her enjoy that a little bit but at the same time being concerned about everything that's going on um
0: well and i think then, that there is a rejection of d by her daughter like lydia knows oh, her mom up. Yeah. And so she's looking for other role models and she's definitely imprinting upon Brooke like Brooke is the way to go.
1: And Brooke though and... keeps on coming back to D and saying like your daughter's terrified of you and she needs yeah. some space and she's saying all the wrong things to yeah. a mama bear.
0: Yeah. Um which I just feel like Brooke's not that dumb, but I guess they make her that dumb here and so when when D and Lydia, you know, escape or or basically D takes Lydia, Lydia doesn't want to go and then they go in and and d de- like after like this is the thing that i'm like uh like i know we've seen a little bit with alpha before we saw this in the mental institution uh storyline with lydia um she has this like weird unreasonable expectation that your daughter is going to like somehow learn how to fight like she's like oh i have valuable things to teach you too um and not fully grasping the age of her daughter, but also the temperament of her daughter is very different from her own. And she knows this to some extent because she does like weird, creepy, comforting things like, you know, she's got the backpack with the rabbit. Um, She kind of sees how, you know, she does her best to like throw throw Lydia into the deep end with the walkers and have her take them out, which obviously she can't do. And D easily dispatches in like five seconds. She's and and then there's this like really awful, you know, moment where she does have realizations here and there that she's not the best mom, that she isn't the best mom to Lydia, but she can't she just can't help her nature, right? And this is who she is. And she realized it like in a very like stark moment here, like there there's like warring things going on and one on the one hand she really wants vengeance on Brooke and takes it and that's the the piece that i think um is classic alpha but there's like two parts to it one is that she's like wants to put Brooke in her place um but kind of ratchets back her worst instinct which was to kill her um because of Lydia's reaction um but also there's like a side to her that is just incredibly sadistic and cruel right like and
1: honestly i thought i was convinced that brooke was going to show up again before the end of the episode um and i'm just like amazed that the show did this they created they gave this woman like the best nemesis backstory Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they've already painted her as fairly capable and and uh charismatic um and so now there's this brook out there with this massive facial scar who hates alpha <laughs> and alpha Well, story. It
0: feels like it's going to come back later at some point. Right. But yeah.
1: That was one of those story hooks I was referring to. I was just like, there's yeah. no way that you don't, you don't close that loop. And or, they made it
0: so obvious with the scarring and stuff like that. So I think she's going to pop up somewhere.
1: Which means is there a tales of the walking dead season two in the works? Uh, I, I kind probably. of considered this to be a one and done. Um, so
0: Or she could pop up in a spinoff somewhere. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um D, I, I like the fact that D also had seen, well, this was, it felt really patchy and, and sketchy when she was accusing Billy of signaling the shore in, mm-hmm. a, in heavy fog, which yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that wouldn't work with a mirror really anyway. Um, uh, but then it turns out that she was right. Um,
0: well, she saw a weird signal on the boat with the light. Um when he went outside so it felt like that was part of he's signaling them twice
1: so could have been or that was the light bulb that Brooke had uh tightened yeah maybe maybe it was uh, on purpose right um it's not like the boat was hard to see at that point uh, right I don't know what you'd need to tell your guys um but the fact that she was right about that and the fact that Brooke never even owns that um I thought oh. was pretty uh a little bit annoying honestly in that final interaction that they have in the woods where Mm -hmm. she's like you lied to my daughter you promised her the world and then you and then you couldn't deliver or something along those lines which i'm like that's a weird thing to say to brooke also d like you should if anything you should be mad that you know you promised her safety and security and you couldn't deliver that it's not that you promised her garden parties that who cares but you 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 screwed up because you hired the wrong people I told you that I didn't trust them, and you, you know, mocked my concerns. Um, that's a reason I think to be mad at Brooke. And then Brooks comes. Brooke just comes back and says, "No, this you did all this. This is all your fault." I'm like, absolutely not.
0: No, no. Yeah. I mean,
1: she did create the absolute insane gunfight and chaotic scene on the boat by uh, killing one of them, shooting another, and really- then jumping overboard. Uh, that was, that kinda... was only
0: like, she only did what was about to happen anyway. Though, it did feel that so... way. Yeah. 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 Um,
1: um, and the, you know, the, like the chaos of that scene plays out mostly in a way you can't see it, but I thought that was pretty cool. And when they wake up under their weird zombie tent
0: mm-hmm. uh, hours
1: later, there are just bodies everywhere. I thought, I I really liked the way that that kind of yeah, played out.
0: Um, And then, you know, that whole thing with the under the body thing and her putting the stuff under her poor daughter has such, she's got such problems. Lydia's got such problems. You um, think about
1: Lydia compared with like Carl, uh, Lizzie, Mika, Judith. Like, I mean, Judith was born in this situation. Carl took to it, some say, too, too easily. Yeah. Lydia clearly is not one of those. Um, and I guess that is like a version of a person that we... There aren't a lot of other examples of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There have been other children who are too scared to deal with zombies, though, right? Haven't there?
0: Yeah, but her mom is a psycho. And so her mom is a psycho.
1: And I mean, she also in this episode says that I killed my dad when I was nine. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I don't know if I remember that being part of her backstory before. Maybe it was.
0: I feel like it was. Um. But I, again, like we we do see this thing where alpha like. As misguided as she is, she really does love Lydia. But there is the big moment in this particular episode where she was like, because Lydia keeps talking about how she believes in fairies and she's hearing the trees whispering, whatever. And you know, this is you know a form of escapism, much like tea parties and other things that Alpha just cannot abide by because she hates all those kinds of things. Um, she truly believes in harsh reality. And you just can't honestly there's this moment where she's like, Oh gosh, I can't believe I uh I this is my kid, kind of. Um and her solution is to like kill her basically.
1: Kill them both kill like kill, kill her them. and then kill herself, yeah, probably. Yeah, and
0: that's like her her whole thing. And then of course the whisper thing, like uh Hera. Were
1: you, were you surprised by it? I could have sworn that Alpha started the Whisperers. Yeah. Um I
0: that's didn't. the part okay. So that is the part where I'm talking about where I and again I my mistake for not watching that whole backstory episode with Alpha and Beta, but I thought that those two started the Whisperers um because they wanted to live like the dead, and that's the conflict that I'm talking about here, where feels like they're obliterating that whole backstory. Um like the the hero thing. I don't understand where that came from um, and where beta go, right? So I feel like maybe they're just doing another universe thing. Is this like the metaverse of Walking Dead? I don't know. Um, but that was the part where I was like a little confused by because well, I thought I, re- I thought certainly... I I thought I remembered that Alpha created them too. But, you know, maybe. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I don't really recall. Like, again, we probably should have watched that some of those, uh, those flashbacks. But it is it would be weird to imagine because i remember at the beginning of that flashback Alf d samantha morton whatever um alpha is walking with lydia through a city lydia is freaking out and screaming because she sees a zombie which draws more zombies but they are i think they have guts on but they are not wearing masks Mm -hmm. until maybe until later on in the episode i don't even recall but if they'd already been like uh brought into the whisperer way of life i feel like you would just always have a mask
0: right i liked a lot of aspects of this episode the conflict in my head just about some of the things that we saw here was kind of annoying but overall i liked it and i liked seeing samantha morton again as alpha so i thought that that was kind of cool so overall i'm I'm in favor of this although i will say that um just overall with these two episodes I think part of why the first two were um, kind of m- a little bit more enjoyable or why I was so excited to see them is that they were such a departure and there was a light hardness to them that this was definitely a darker episode, as is the next one. So and maybe we'll go back to a little bit of that on the on the, the next round of them. But, um, you know. I don't know how much this adds to the whole thing any more than we know, except that it was kind of fun to see Samantha Morton again as Alpha.
1: Yeah, I I don't know that it adds a ton. But like I said, we've got that riverboat colony, which is to me a plus. That's like definitely in the plus column. Um, The way that it falls apart is a little bit hokey just because Billy is so like clearly wacko. And I'm yeah, and as we you've said, I'm surprised that Brooke or her her lackeys and a lot of her the people in this community do turn out to be like just terrible people, like they're they're like falling over each other to turn Lydia and D over to the pirates, right? Um, And and that yeah, that's you know, so Brooke has uh, has clearly surrounded herself by sycophants and bad people, so that helps kind of secure her fate at the end of the episode. Uh, I think this was good. I think this was a good episode. Um, it raises some more questions. And so I would like to kind of <clears throat> see it through, see the end of of where this is going. Which hmm. will be apparently uh, Alpha killing Hera and maybe Brooke shows up with a with a face at some point. I don't know. Because uh, w- at the end, she's talking to Hera's face mask yep. on, on like a mannequin, right? Yep. yep. Even though we haven't even seen Hera yet
0: so maybe we'll see more crazy. of this it is it is so maybe we'll see more of this maybe we can kind of figure out where the timing is of this um I mean just based upon like her hair and everything like that Compare. I don't know um this would supposedly be before they ran into beta but maybe that happened at some point later on I don't know but it feels weird it feels like this is so- sort of a an alternate beginning to whispers but
1: yeah I mean, Uh, if you look at the uh, the plot synopsis for episode, the episode called "We Are the End of the World," season ten, episode two, mm -hmm. that's the episode with the um, with the flashbacks, and they talk about it being forming the basis for establishing the whispers. But that's Mm -hmm. written by that's written by audience people, not by showrunners. So maybe they would have written it differently.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but anyway. So that's but th- I think that's done and dusted. But uh next we're going to talk about, and probably not quite as long, but um the Amy slash Dr. Everett, which I was really excited to see because um I really like Anthony Edwards, who stars in this episode. Um and this was um to me the weakest out of all that we've seen so far. I don't know how you feel about it.
1: Yeah, I I also agree. And I'm trying to figure out if it was the script or the performances, frankly.
0: Well, it's a little bit of both, I would say. Um um it, like like so anyway, let's dive into this and you just give the sort of the the setup. Um but in this tale there is, you know, basically a scientist, observer, um, portrayed by Anthony Edwards, who plays uh, Dr. Chauncey Everett. And it even has a bit of a like that voiceover and and you know um, the the thing you would normally see in like a nature episode and whatever and and viewing the whole zombie apocalypse as like a you know way of nature's way of balancing things out right um, and you know that's that's the feel it gives you about this whole thing um he re- I have
1: some problems with this setup though too oh,
0: there there's a pretty there's a lot of problems with this setup right
1: like if um something about this episode doesn't even feel like it lives in the universe of the walking correct. dead because they're they're talking i mean maybe they're just like it's a different part of the country so yeah you wouldn't know the terms for stuff but it's like dead sector and the mm-hmm. trench which are not like uh, i mean they he The narration sets it up that those are things. And so I guess that's all I should need to be like, yes, there's a dead sector and a trench and beyond the trench is like a place of, uh, you know, amazing diversity of, of animal like ecosystems. Okay. Okay. And this
0: is, and this is changing the rules a little bit, right? Because, you know, there's things in this that pop up that I'm like, how would that work? Um, like what? And well, the fact that he's saying that all this nature, all these animals are thriving because humans aren't around. Well, but they've got a pretty big uh predator, which is that we've seen the the zombies take down lots of wildlife like
1: yeah. And there, mm. his, his proof of wildlife, uh, the proof of wildlife in this episode rather is a couple of bad CG animals. That pigeon yep. was, whoa. Terrible. Uh, and yep. there was a crocodile, which we've already seen as being like superior to zombies in terms of it's actually the alpha predator, I think
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: the apex predator. Um, and then like a bunch of B roll from nature documentaries of African Savannah. And I'm just like, this doesn't, this doesn't compute. This is not adding up. Uh, it, it doesn't, it, it just felt, uh, yeah, not enough. This was not good enough for
0: me. Right. And I mean, look, I guess we have to maybe this whole Tales of the Walking Dead isn't canon. Maybe this is just their own weird thing. I mean, because we did have a time travel episode or a time loop <laughs> episode. So, yeah. I mean, I think we have to maybe accept that part of it. And but I think that if you're a fan of the show, you're you're automatically trying to like carve out spots where these little stories belong. Right. Um, but and the canon that's pr- been presented. So that was the thing that I was having a tough time sort of, um, you know, dealing with um, and also like the
1: naturalist angle would work in Walking Dead and mm-hmm. naturalists who's a recluse versus people who want to be in a community also works. If anything, it's this world building that they try to shove in here. that just doesn't add up to me. That's kind of where it falls apart.
0: Well, and there's a lot of pieces of this world. I don't know. Like, so anyway, um, the other main star of this is Poppy Lou, who plays Amy. And so these are the big characters. We see some walkers. We see some extras walking around here and there. But these two are the main action. Um, And, you know. It's it's sort of your normal thing where he he does all of his observations, he's a recluse, he doesn't really want company. Um, and there's this whole premise set up that in this zone there are people that come much like they come on into the, you know, um the the preserves in Africa, and instead of taking like trophies like elephant tusks and things like that, they're taking walker heads, which just seems ridiculous like
1: how me. are there not walkers on the other side of the trench that they can right take their right
0: heads? and uh, you know there's some idea that all the resources on the other side are are totally tapped which would they be if there were i don't know like that they, if the population is that da- like some of the some of this makes absolutely no sense at all um and so he saves amy from you know a a group of walkers because there's a specific walker that he's been following. And we see that he's been observing two specific ones, but, uh, he's very attached to this, uh, specimen 21, um, which is the only reason he interferes, but he actually uses, he's got a very, uh, hypocritical, uh, philosophy going on because he just chooses to intervene when he wants to often. Um, despite his philosophy. Um, And I think, you know, for me, some of what didn't sit well was the, I thought both of them were overacting tremendously in this episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, It was because especially in like the middle, maybe the third, the last third of the episode, there's a very long scene of them talking to each other, trying to convince each other to go to their, their side of the argument. Mm-hmm. And it just dragged and it was, um, it, it was, it fell very flat to me, the, the, the delivery. Um, and I don't know but if that know, was overacting or just like the script was, maybe. wasn't there or what?
0: might've been that, but I even felt like that interaction with them from the beginning just felt overly, you know, he's this scientist acting all curmudgeonly and whatever. It just felt overdone all of it. And you may be right. It may just be the script, but they don't, Those two didn't really have a ton of chemistry, unfortunately. Um, And I know that they're both great actors. So that was kind of weird. Um, But even in how certain things were revealed and presented, it was sort of like, like there was this, it just fell flat. I think you're totally right. Like the specifically one part was where he was talking about the coat he was wearing.
1: I mean that coat was pretty cool.
0: <laughs> it was pretty cool but like he says it and she's like well well and her reaction to it was just sort of stupid and it's like well this, if this coat makes me un- invisible like why wouldn't you make more coats like anyway um but the 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 sort of opposite sides of their philosophy didn't ring true like it just felt like they were having conflict for conflict's sake um there was a couple good moments, but like especially when she sees the fake CG bird, that to me seemed just ridiculous, right?
1: That where was like absolutely, where she's yeah. like,
0: oh, beautiful bird, and she knows what it is, and I just don't buy it. Um and then the other part that I found like kind of ridiculous, it's like, well, even though he has kind of kept specific information from her, there's like a weird moment where he's like where she goes to help one of her colleagues and he doesn't help, but her colleague makes it away. But her colleague doesn't like stop to see what's happening.
1: That was a very strange direction. Like, why right? didn't Hannah hang out or had Hannah been bitten? Because it took them so long to go help them. Um it felt yeah. like
0: she made it away. And then it's like, well, wouldn't you help? your friend it like that felt weird to me and it just felt like and if that was the case that she got bitten they should have shown that or the ultimate end
1: of this episode too though kind of follows this it doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me other than like we're supposed to believe that amy voluntarily goes back to die with her community because that's what would make her happier except um,
0: you know she's got this knowledge so the community could have basically gotten away so that's that, the part where yeah, I'm yeah and like, they're what? they're
1: mobile it's not like they don't have vehicle they have vehicles like he's looking at their vehicles at the right. end of the episode. and and
0: we've also seen amy manage to make her way through a pretty like not a massive herd but enough of a herd that she's figured it out and she gets to the community in time to basically say hey guys there's a huge herd on the way Mound and up. Yet, they stay in this one spot and just sit there like sitting ducks. Like it felt very dumb to me. Um, I don't think this made any sense whatsoever.
1: Also even his mission. And he's like, you know, people, I was part of a science team who was here studying the, the the walkers and this is important and I have to keep doing it. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, cool. Uh, But then he doesn't like, what is the point of science for its own sake without sharing your findings?
0: Right, like, what is the end game here, right? Like, who who is going to, like, because if, as he says, like, that the humans are just kind of, you know, chomper meat and that this is the next step, what's even the point of doing some of this? Um, You know, like, where are you going to leave this knowledge? Because the whole point is to pass on the knowledge. And if you think that humans aren't that channel, what are you doing? It's not like you can leave it at the zombies, right? Exactly. The other thing I did think with this episode that they were trying to establish, which, you know, again, is this just sort of a weird uh part of the part of the um multiverse, um but um of, of Walking Dead, I don't know. Um, but he was establishing that specific walkers had different senses and I wondered if that was going to play into some of these new uh new projects like what we talked about the fast french zombies and things like that but he specifically talks about um one of the um one of the walkers has more uh, like a sense of smell and then his specimen 21 does things that he and you can't tell whether these are real like attributes that these walkers have or whether he's kind of fooling himself right about whether uh, they there's are- nothing
1: to suggest in the world that zombies need to eat to continue to be uh, reanimated
0: right right so that was a weird thing and you know she does make amy makes a very good point which is like well if the whole point is to like keep the species going they don't reproduce and if every human is dead they won't and they'll just eventually decay so that, how does that play into the nature thing? And he's kind of stumped by that, right?
1: So the fact that they're even asking that question on this show, I think, is a kind of a big deal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and maybe that is something that we'll get an answer to because we it was indicated that the French scientists created this thing on purpose. And so yeah. then you kind of get to a place of you know human ext- extinction movements and maybe it's just to create a world without, our, uh, without humanity problem is of course that the zombies eat animals so it's not it's yeah, not and like and the, the environment's problem. gonna be saved or right you... and
0: that's the problem just... that i'm having with this whole nature preserve idea because yes there, there would of...
1: be no uh, there would be no, no. giraffes in no. the zombie apocalypse no
0: definitely not um so you know like and i think you would see a balance out of those things that survived and didn't and that balance wouldn't work out so well because to have like a healthy ecosystem you need things all across it and if you've got this predator that doesn't sleep just indiscriminately eats and like you know kind of poisons whatever they eat right um i just don't think you're you're talking about something that's sustainable so that it doesn't make sense at all but um one of the things i did like about this though and then this is the thing you and i always get into and and so, even as silly as it was on the riverboat but I always like to see how somebody's living in the apocalypse. So I did truly enjoy his little treehouse cabin mm-hmm. um, with all like a lot of detail went into the set design for that. It was like very cool setup. Um, I liked, you know, all the the cool things he had in there. Um, and this is supposed to be the cabin of his old friend who he had thought had died. And he, he stumbled across, across this thing. Um and you know he has the little hook to get the ladder up and down, although that doesn't really, uh, um, you know, if there's other humans out there, it's not like the best system, right? So, yeah,
1: it, it's really um, not meant to be a human deterrent, apparently, right, because she gets right. up there a few times.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love the treehouse cabin. I love that setup. I thought that that was ex- incredibly cool, and it made me kind of think, well, why aren't there more like treehouse things set up in general? It um, seems like that might have made sense in certain scenarios, but yeah,
1: um, um, I think, you know, like one, one last thought that I have on this episode is that Amy was kind of an interesting character. I didn't love a lot of her dialogue, but mm-hmm. she, you know, she's an amputee. She's got like a, a little yeah. wrist weapon uh, mounted there. She, she's wearing like weird knee pads, but the, I, I get it. I, if you're in the woods kneeling down a lot, I would wear knee pads too. Mm-hmm. Um, she, her approach is kind of, um, uh nice i guess she's like she's like i'm not gonna rob you uh my community we take care of each other she is she is not a uh an opportunist she is an opportunist but she's not gonna like she's not out to murder and so mayhem uh and that feels rare in the walking dead also
0: yeah um i also the one piece which i know this was like I didn't fully believe it, but I did like this idea. that was that, you know, she'd been eating these nightshade berries, which you know, Mm -hmm. she's been clearly out there in the woods and surviving. Maybe she doesn't really know, but it feels like most people would know that that was poison. And she didn't. But I do like the idea that there's like this concoction that he the doctor ever came up with, which is like the charcoal and other stuff. And she's got to like take her poison basically to get over the poison she's taken. So I kind of like that idea, just the fact that he does have this knowledge um, that he shares with her, um, but um, but I had a hard time believing that she wouldn't know that there was like that she was eating this poison, basically. Um, so I don't know. That was just kind of a um, some of those details. It felt like if they had just been tweaked slightly, would have just been more successful overall as a storyline.
1: Yeah uh yeah i th- i think a little bit more of a firmer hand on the uh, overall story would have been better um the the story of of dr everett and amy makes sense to me um right up until she doesn't warn her community that they're in yeah. the path of a zombie migration herd uh, that that story makes sense for the most part uh, even like the specimen 21 stuff and his in unwillingness to uh, intervene except when it suits his needs. Like that's good. That's fine. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. fine with him being a flawed character. I'm uh, just, yeah. The, the weird B roll of uh, the, the dependence on CG pigeons and, and crocodile and uh, alligators. That's where this episode fails. And in some of that dialogue where they were the delivery and what they were saying, it just felt stilted. And it
0: did all of it felt stilted. and again it was one of those things where maybe they, didn't, i don't know maybe they didn't have time to practice but it felt like the script was lacking i don't know it just didn't just didn't hit in a genuine way yeah um and it felt more like some like two writers preaching from their soapboxes, right
1: yeah pretty much so this i would say uh, this was disappointing um it certainly doesn't rise to the level of the last three that we've seen Uh, Because when you have an episode like um, Joe and Evie, was that the first one with with Terry Crews and Olivia Munn? Mm -hmm. Similar sort of premise with two characters with opposing viewpoints talking to each other a lot on the road. Uh, Although they didn't talk nearly as much as Amy and Dr. Everett did. Um, That worked so much better. And maybe it was chemistry, maybe it was script. But something about this one just did not could not get there and um you know at the very end he's tagging the recently turned members of her community including her potentially but i don't think he actually gets around to it before the credits roll yeah and mm-hmm. that was uh so that's that i guess
0: yeah but you know i'm still i'm still in i'm still cool with the series i didn't expect everything to be 100 percent. so i'm looking forward to, to watching the next couple episodes and, and reviewing them with you
1: yeah, so next up, are it's our Jesse Usher episode. I'm not sure if it's Devon or Devon. Um, that's coming up next. And then La Doña is the last one. And so we'll have those two next time we get together. Also, we should mention that D was uh, directed by Michael Satrazimus and mm-hmm. written by Channing Powell, a power duo, if ever there was one from Walking Dead. And this uh, Dr. Everett Amy was directed by Haifa Al-Mansur and written by Amadou Garba, who's, I don't know if I've seen their work on this show before. Um, But that's how that went down. And so, yeah, if you have uh, thoughts about these two episodes, let us know. Uh, we're on Twitter at Reanimated PCAST. We're on the internet at Reanimated at reanimatedpodcast.gmail.com.
0: Uh, looking forward to to getting through the next uh, are we going to do two episodes is it two or let's uh, let's finish
1: it off it's just two left
0: okay well let's do that and, and and definitely leave your comments if you have them and until next time ciao
1: peace out